Hey, Faith Church. We are releasing podcast interviews with our missionaries prior to their go time weekend so you can catch up with them before you see them at an event or at church. The purpose of our podcast is to meet the missionaries and hear what they're up to. They will also share a few ways that you can be partnering with them in prayer, so I encourage you to take the time to pray for each missionary as soon as their episode ends. Today's episode features our missionaries, Joy and Dave Skinner. They live in South Africa and serve with Operation Mobilization, or OM. They've been doing vocational ministry for 40 years, and Dave has been a part of our mission's family since he was a child and his parents were sent out as missionaries. Together, Joy and Dave have been teamed up with the mission's family now for 31 years. Here's my conversation with Joy and Dave. Hey, Dave and Joy, it's so good to have you guys on our podcast to sit down with you and have a conversation. Great to be here. Why don't we have you guys introduce yourselves to people who have not had a chance to get to know you yet. Um, So they maybe don't know anything about you, about your life, your ministry. Can you briefly introduce yourselves and let us know who you partner with and where you guys are specifically located? I guess my involvement with Faith Church goes back to the 1960s when uh, my parents were sent out, Happenglad Skinner. um, And when we would come back on furloughs from Papua New Guinea, we would connect with Faith Church and knew a lot of the old timers. This is going back a generation or so. And then just kept in contact with Faith Church over the years. And they've been a part of my team for many years now. Yeah, and I'm Joy Skinner. Dave and I grew up together as Wycliffe missionary kids in Papua New Guinea. So that was our first, uh, I guess you could say, phase of missions as missionary kids. We were very involved. Both of us, our parents uh, included us in missions, which was amazing. And um, Dave left and got his diesel mechanic training. Um, Actually, you got it out of Papua New Guinea. I did my teaching degree and a year of Bible school. And then I ended up going back to Papua New Guinea as a school teacher. Dave, where did you go? Well, 1982, May, which is actually 40 years ago this month, People from faith and other congregations around Indianapolis sent me, commissioned me off and sent me off to India to serve with OM to use what I had in my hands. And I was a truck driver and a diesel mechanic, and I was serving the Lord on teams with OM in India for five years. It was uh, 19... About the fourth, fourth year in that, before the last year, he came back to visit his parents. And I was a school teacher there, so we connected again. And he took off back to India, and I followed him. It was romance, <laughs> romance at first sight. Well, not quite. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that's another whole story. Yeah. Um, we've got lots of stories to tell. But yeah, so the I followed India. That was a real, real first mission experience for me on my own. I had been called to use my teaching degree as a missionary school teacher, and as Dave was using his experience as well. And then we, um, we went back to Papua New Guinea to get married. We actually did 15 years there with Operation Mobilization and then went kicking and screaming, but nationals were leading the work there and we left. And then we went to work with OM, Operation Mobilization, uh, in South Africa, where we are now. Mm-hmm. And OM's mission is to see vibrant communities of Jesus followers among the least reached. So to do that, we have to be able to Um, We are recruiting and training people to find their place of strategic mission in that. 
um, from South Africa. So from mm -hmm. South African churches, as we did in Papua New Guinea, where they ate the first missionaries, then we were now sending them to be missionaries. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Awesome. And it's worth mentioning that you guys also, um, you grew up as missionary kids, but then you had a family of your own. So um, tell us how many children you have or grandbabies, and mm -hmm. then tell us how that all played out in your life and missions together. You guys are passionate about doing missions as a family. So how, what did that look like? Both of us uh, grew up in Papua New Guinea and our, our, we were very involved in our parents' ministry. And when we would come on furlough, we were involved in our parents' presentation. So that was a great example. So when we had a family, they were all born in Papua New Guinea. Sean is now 32 years old. Um, Jed is 30 and Trina is 28 and um, they've lived in many different countries but when we would travel and go on furlough they would be very much a part of our team in presenting in youth groups in schools in churches in cell groups um, and so they were very much a part of our team on furlough but also when we're in ministry in South Africa, yeah. kids or Papua New Guinea, the kids were very much a part of our ministry. So it wasn't just mom and dad doing their thing. They were, it was us as a family involved in ministry. Now they got out and got to enjoy lots of things as kids, but um, I don't know. I remember one time with the teenagers, we were trying to encourage them about, you know, oh, why don't you go to a local youth group? And they said, um one of the times well mom we might miss something here at home now what kid says that well we had constant young people in and out of our home who we were mentoring who were training to go into missions and our kids never saw that as hey they're taking my space or they enjoyed it and it was just part of all the exposure um and they got to travel i mean i think even our experience uh, I mean, if God calls you to the mission field as a family, please don't deprive your kids by saying no. Mm. Um, we have traveled the world. We have seen places and done things. We might not have as many things as most teenagers or young people have. We might not be as versed as well on the internet or know the cool movie actors or the latest songs, but we have uh, this global experience that I wouldn't trade for any of the other. And, uh, and um, yes, there are th certain things you have because you're a third culture kid, but it is just an amazing way to grow up. And you know what? Missionaries are normal, so they also have normal kids. There's normal challenges that you have to face. And those kids also have to choose faith and choose God for themselves as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's such a cool legacy that your parents gave you and then now you've passed on to your kids. So thank you so much. It's worth sharing. So we appreciate hearing that. I forgot to mention, uh, two of our kids are in um, Australia, actually three because Jed is married and our two grand grandchildren, Eliora and Eric are little Aussies. They're Aussie, American and Greek. How do you like that? Three nationalities and they're only one and a half and three, three. 21st tomorrow, tomorrow. That's so awesome. um and then sean our eldest is in um uh, new york city at this time uh he was working uh for a while he still has that 
vision, but he's waiting on God because of challenges and things that have come up in his life. But he's a video produ uh, producer and works with drones and stories. He loves to tell God stories. So his next God story uh, mission is coming up with a church here that is going to Mexico with them to film the team and the Children's Haven work that they're going to do. Very cool. All right, so now you've been in South Africa for the last 20 years. What have you seen God do in your region over the 20 years that you couldn't have experienced if you didn't commit to serving long-term, being faithful ambassadors there? And then um, what's your prayer for and the region and the ministry for the next 20 years? We've been based in Durban, which is on the um, east coast of South Africa. Durban is a city of about 4 million people. It is primary Zulu. Uh, the second largest group would be Indians. From they, India, can you believe it? <laughs> they came over in the 1860s to cut sugarcane, and they now run the place, <laughs> and um, very highly educated, many of them. And the church has grown greatly amongst the Indian community in South Africa. So we've been working mainly in mobilizing, uh, that is challenging the church, especially in the Indian churches, more than any other ethnic group, challenging the churches about the great commission of Jesus. Um, and it doesn't matter where they come from, the great commission of Jesus is for the church, the body of Christ. And seeing God raise up South Africans from different ethnic and language and cultural backgrounds that are responding to the call of God and being trained and equipped and being sent by their church and churches and family to the nation. So, I mean, that's, that's some of our encouraging stuff to see over the last 20 years, seeing God mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. Our main goal, I think we should say in the area, um, it's not like we're on a front edge evangelistic uh, knocking on doors out on the street corners. We are actually surrounded, though, by Hindus and Muslims and um, Zulus, which are more animistic. So we have opportunities like that all the time. But the majority of our focus is working with local pastors, church leaders, um, young people who feel a call of God on their life. Um, and we use any event. It might be over coffee. It might be in our home. It might be in church, a cell group, a youth group um men's meeting we use any of these events that will help awaken um the church in south africa that has still kind of sees themselves as the mission field instead of missionaries but they are you have first world and third world right next door to each other and there is definite opportunities for them to be awakened but then keep moving and growing Mm -hmm. so that each individual and the churches can find their strategic role. What is their mm -hmm. specific place in world missions? Because most of the churches, 50,000 churches in South Africa, probably about 5,000 of those at the max do anything beyond South Africa. Now, they mm -hmm. do do local outreaches and feeding schemes and that type of stuff but they just don't see themselves as a church that mission sends or that goes. So we've been able to witness many churches sending their very first missionaries. Mm -hmm. And we walk the road, we mentor them, we walk with, with the pastor. We'll have pastors say, okay, so tell us, what do we do for a commissioning service? 
because they've never done it before. Mm -hmm. how, how do we how do we see them raise their finances and that type of thing? And so it's a lot of what God does. Uh, we just get to see, and we have seen many go as well long term. You mm -hmm. know, the final frontier in missions is cannot be reached by a short term outreach. We believe in short term outreaches. It's amazing. Um, there are opportunities we can tell you maybe about at the end of this podcast that you could do and join OM and go on a short-term mission trip. But for the final frontiers, it's gonna take long-term. It, it, people who are gonna be there, learn a language, learn a culture, uh, to go and live there with their families and let God use them to mm -hmm. touch the harder places. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. thanks for giving us that vision. So um, your prayer for the next 20 years, is for the African church, mm. um, the South African church, to see themselves as the missionaries and no longer the mission field. Yes. Yeah, I, I would Rise say up. the prayer, the big prayer request is the majority church of South Africa are black South Africans. They are from Zulu, nine different Benda, tribal groups. Gosa, in the and, and for them, missions is a white person from Europe or America coming to us, to our hospitals, to our mission stations, to, to do mission work for us. And, and we want to see God raise up the black South African church and seeing them being sent and um, to the nations, and especially into North Africa where there are more, there are more similar cultures they're not the same. The languages are different, but there are more similar cultures. We call it cross. Uh, we call it near culture mission workers. So if we would go there, we're not as near culture. If you go up into the Sahel region, which is not Southern Africa, but kind of that middle region from Mauritania all the way across to Eritrea, that is the most needy part, uh, um, desperately needy in all ways um physically spiritually a uh, need of missionaries and we need to have near culture in other words somebody with the right color skin and that doesn't stick out like us that will go and um be involved there so that's what we really our goal is to train for that that specific type of missionary in, in view of us saying that's that's one of our prayer requests is seeing the black african church rise up and go north is at the same time we want to see the rest of the churches of Africa that from different ethnic cultural language mm. backgrounds also being yeah. mobilized to play their rightful role. And, and over the last 20 years, we've seen that, we've seen it. but we would love to see greater numbers because mm. Jesus tells us very clearly that the harvest is great. It's big, it's mm. huge. And it seems like there's no problem with the harvest. It's there. And he tells us the problem. It's, you need Labors. to pray to the Lord of the harvest that, the Lord would send out labors, and we mm -hmm. believe that there are many, many labors in, in South Africa, um, but they need to hear the vision. Mm -hmm. Now, saying this doesn't get any American off the hook, okay? Because every single believer, we believe deep in our heart with every core of our being that every single believer has a role in global mission. It doesn't mean you're going to be a missionary, but every single believer has a role otherwise you actually have to change some bits of scripture 
Um, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria are all local. Your Samaritan is the neighbor who's next to you, who's maybe a refugee or someone of a different culture. Um, but the ends of the earth is part of that for all of us. And we can all, we can all travel on our knees. So I think it's, it's getting a vision, asking God for a country to pray for. We work in South Africa, but let me tell you, we have some key countries, countries like Afghanistan that we have been praying into for years. And you will start seeing answers to prayer. So that is also part of our key ministry is a global prayer ministry, which we are involved online on Zoom, as well as in our home and OM as a whole, it is a core value that we are praying for the nations as well as working among them. Mm -hmm. Super. Thank you for challenging us in that, Joy. And thank you for telling us how you guys are praying so we can partner with you in prayer. Um, what I've learned about people at Faith is we are a praying church yes. and we take prayer very seriously. We know the impact of prayer. And so I know as people listen to this podcast, they will... Um, and appreciate knowing how they can partner with you. All right, so prayer is one way that um, we, people at Faith Church or in Indianapolis, can be a part of mobilizing missions around the world. What else could we do or be a part of? You know, there are many mission, short-term mission opportunities. I was just reading just a couple of days ago that the OM team in Poland is having a focus ministry on the border with Ukrainian refugees coming over. And they're crying out to us all over the world. They're just saying the doors are open, hearts are open. Uh, we just need manpower. And people can go for a week or two or longer to be a part of the opportunities. It seems like all over the world, when refugees are fleeing from war and destruction and drought, their hearts are more receptive and yeah. responsive to the love of Jesus, and that's the church. And when the body of Christ can be a part of the response, then that is great harvest that is taking place. So you can, you know, uh, our website, which is om.org, um, will give that opportunity. They're asking for a week plus um, churches or individuals who want to go and be a part of that. And of course, they will help organize that. If you want to go longer term, we have our training base there. One of the things we're also involved is training in South Africa. Uh, we have a week of the training. Uh, you can come for that week and then come visit us, but we're part of that week as well. Mm -hmm. But there's also um, young people anywhere from after you graduate, you wanna give some first fruits of your life. That's what I call that year, that gap year. Come mm -hmm. join us for a year of mission discipleship training. It's called Reaching the Nations and it's a hands-on, you're doing outreaches, you're doing programs, uh, four weeks specifically, and then you go do a practical in one of the Southern African nations. So that, once again, you just check into our website, om.org, and um, they will give you that um, opportunity, as well as if you want to go beyond that, two years on our mission ship is brilliant. Our kids all did these gap years as well. You talk about ministry, we said, now you're on your own. We kind of kicked him out of the nest and said, now you serve God for your first years. And um, it was amazing. Two of them did training and then on the ship. And Jed did uh, his gap year in Greece where he ended up meeting his wife for the first time. Mm -hmm. um, so there are just so many opportunities for both long, mid and short term um, 
trips and you will be changed. I can guarantee yeah. <laughs> more than you give. Yeah. yeah. OM has got opportunities in over a yeah. hundred nations yeah. in various types of ministries. We're very multicultural, multiracial from multi-denominational from over a hundred different ethnic groups. So it's not just, it's not just Americans. It's mm -hmm. many, many different nationalities. Mm -hmm. So in itself, the training when you're on a multinational, multicultural team um, is in itself great cross-cultural training. Deep and rich yeah. and yeah. Yeah. So check it out. Okay. Thank you so much. So let's move to um, a more practical question. People partnering with you, being on your team. Let's talk about where you guys are at financially and support raising. How much uh, are you trying to fundraise or needing to fundraise while you guys are on furlough? And without those funds, how would your ministry be impacted? I, I think I should first say a huge thank you for some people that have been on my team mm -hmm. for 40 years. <laughs> who said to Amazing. me 40 years ago, we want to be a part of your team, yeah. Dave, when you headed off to India. And those people have been a part of my team for that many years. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, is some of the people who made that commitment 40 years ago have passed away. They've gone you ahead know, to glory. Every every time I come on furlough, there are groups of people that have been on my team that are no longer part of my team. They're in the crowd of witnesses in heaven rejoicing. Mm -hmm. And so what we're doing, we're praying that God would raise up younger people that would join our team and make a monthly commitment and say, we want to be a part of your team in, in helping bless the nations through your ministry and your calling. So basically mm -hmm. we would say around uh, 800 to a thousand top up. We always call it the top up. We don't always put an exact amount because every time by the end of the year, even though we have some very low months, then we have some very high months. We have one soft gifts. God just knows how to even things out. Um, I think for us, the, the positive thing would be that people really want to get on team with you um, mm -hmm. and, and see what God's doing, both with prayer is an amazing thing as well, as well as financially in some ways. And then we also have a project, which we would love you to get involved with if you can, um, mm -hmm. on this furlough. It's called... You want to talk about the I of all people? I for Africa, P H O R for. for Africa. It's really for iPhones and iPads and iComputers or Apple computers that we can get that you people in America are finished with because they've upgraded um, mm -hmm. and they can get them erased and give us the the pin code how to get no, into cleared them. and unlocked yes <laughs> those right. are the two i think and, words and with the right cables yeah. mm -hmm. um Charged. that can be a real blessing we will take them back to south africa and um get them into people's hands that can use them um, african workers the reason why they like iphones over there um eye equipment is one they're well built and they seem to have a good quality about them Mm -hmm. and they are quite yeah. they're quite looked after or they're quite sought after in africa a previous mm -hmm. furlough we did tools for africa oh my goodness we had so much weight 
But to this day, we hear stories from Angola teams and from the other Zimbabwe and Zambia where we ended up sending tools that they were secondhand tools that people donated. Um, but we thought, well, this year, instead of having all that weight, we'll put it into um, eye equipment, iPhones or eye, eye tablets that you have sitting around the house. Um, yes, they should work. Um, they will be a blessing. They do use the, and they do have iPhone stores over there, um, but it will just really bless some of our uh, workers that if they lose theirs or get stolen, which kind of happens, uh, that we can pass on some of these, which we've already been doing ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we thought this was a, an idea. Yes, and specifically you mentioned um, being able to offer it to other OM workers, yes. people on your staff, and the local pastors. So yes. the network that you guys are building, this would encourage connectivity yes. and being able to share more resources and more help, right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so what are the two things that needs to be unlocked and it needs to be cleared? Cleared and unlocked and have the, the cable, uh, like the charger with it yeah okay so and i don't okay. know if there's Super. somebody out there who's tech who would like to check over everything just get them maybe all in ziploc bags or something so all the pieces are together um that would just be a double blessing so um someone mm -hmm. wants to go iphone hunting for us or <laughs> be uh, our and, guests and, and we will carry them we'll be I, the donkeys <laughs> i'm not talking about iphone one and iphone two oh. they, they 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 should be oh. returned to noah's ark well, uh, something a little bit more modern, you know. Awesome. Thanks for sharing about that. Well, you guys are not in Indiana yet. You will be soon. And so what are you looking forward to on your visit here with us? Yeah, we will be involved in um, the go time uh, at Faith for that few weeks. Weekend. And um, that'll be really good. Looking forward to connecting with some of you. Some of you we've known for a long time and others we'll meet for the first time. So looking forward to that. But also, we'll be uh, for the VBS. We'll be involved in that daily, so we might meet some of those with kids, and um, mm -hmm. love to get together for a coffee or a meal together or something like that to get to know you all a little bit better while we're there in Indy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So get what we when we get there, uh, you'll see us around quite a bit, and um, yeah, look us up. Super. So good to hear from you guys. Thank you for carving out time for the podcast. And we look forward to learning so much more. So I will add that Dave and Joy have been like, they've been holding on to their stories purposefully because they know the stories they want to share. They are sharing it at our Go Time events and they've got great things to share with what God is doing and what they have learned in their ministry. And so maybe this podcast wasn't the great like a big sharing time of all these stories but we're leaving people on a cliffhanger if they are intrigued they should come and hear the stories you has a, a lot to share at your events all right so last question you guys um if you had the opportunity to talk to somebody who's been on your team for 40 years or somebody that you meet that is new to faith and they want to commit support for the first time whether that's prayer or financial but they want to be a part of your team what would you want to be able to say to them the 40-year people thank you thank you thank you thank you and uh for the others uh, the 40-year people i'm, I'm going to give uh, you a big hug uh, yeah. and, and you know what <laughs> wow when, yeah when some of those 40-year people oh. when i say goodbye this time it will be Who knows? it'll be hard yeah. because i suspect 
I'll have many tears in my eyes and it will mm. be a, a farewell. Mm. Yeah. The people who have been with us a long time, like people mentioned furloughs, um, you know the verse where it says, he who leaves home, lambs and lands and families for the sake of the kingdom will receive a hundred times more. Yes, sometimes there's persecutions as well. But how do you receive a hundred times more family? Mm -hmm. You go. Because people who are on our team become our family. In fact, I can talk to many of those who are on our team. They're actually closer than some of our blood relatives who don't believe in what we're doing. And so this wealth of a family that is so precious and they know because they're on our team mm. and we would you know love to connect in that sense for those who want to join us we'll say beware beware come join us but if you get the mission bug which we hope you do ha, it is just the most glorious amazing god-filled adventure of miracles of of walking with jesus where you cannot see a way through, he plows through the Red Sea, and you're just an ordinary person, but you will see God show up. So if you want that, come join us. Thanks for listening to this Go Time podcast. The Skinner's Go Time weekend begins Saturday, May 28th, with a hybrid seminar at 7 p.m., for a full schedule of events during their visit, go to faithchurchindy.com slash go time.